Sato ma sadagamaya Tamaso ma joti gamaya Ritur mam amritam gamaya Avir ahavir maedhi Rudra yate dakshinam mukaham Te namaham pahinityam Om, lead us from the unreal to the real. Lead us from darkness unto light. Lead us from death to immortality and reach us through and through ourselves and evermore protect us from ignorance by thy sweet, compassionate face. So my subject this morning is uh, undoing your dharma. And uh, it's a subject which comes to us out of the framework of karma yoga. Karma yoga is all about spiritualizing everyday life. It's about doing your daily work in such a way that it lifts your mind inward and upward rather than dragging your mind down and out. But before we can talk about karma yoga, before that is, before we can talk about doing work for work's sake, about doing work as worship, about doing work with detachment, before we can talk about those subjects, we really need to answer the question, what is my life's work? What is my dharma? Dharma is a, a Sanskrit word, and it's one of those words which don't be afraid of Sanskrit words, because many of those words now, they um, stand for concepts that we don't have in the collective consciousness of American English, and therefore there many Sanskrit words are rapidly coming into the um, American language, you look in any Webster's desktop collegiate dictionary and you'll find words like guru, atman, brahman, maya, karma. Dharma is one of those such words that really does defy translation. And uh, it comes from a root that means to support. And it means generally that way of life that is supportive of your spiritual growth. Maybe we could translate it as natural duty. And uh, your dharma is your vocation. Your dharma is your calling in life. Your dharma is your life's work. The basic idea is that you are an individual and that you were born on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. You are not here by chance. You're not here by, as a result of a roll of the dice. But you're here for a reason. You have a purpose. 
you have a destiny. Before you were born, your soul has a, has a time, a moment of clarity. And at that time, the soul sees the past and the future and makes a conscious, deliberate decision about where and when to reincarnate. And we discuss this in great detail in another uh, lecture where we, where, where we um, talk more about the cycle of reincarnation. But the point is, is that we come here for a reason. The analogy of the theater, of the stage, of the actors and actresses on the stage is apropos here. Every actor on the stage is there for a reason. That is, each actor accomplishes something. He has something to do to advance the plot to move the action forward. The, the actor has something to do. Uh, he also has something to say. That is, the actor has something to do to advance the dialogue of the melodrama. Similarly, it is with ourselves, that we have a life script that is written for us and is written by us and uh, in previous lives, it's a script that's being continually uh, revised. But doing your dharma is all about playing your part in the melodrama of life. Like the actor on the stage, we have something to do and something to say. That means we have a mission and we have a message. What we're sent here to do is our mission. A missionary is a person who is sent to do something. That is, he has a project to work on. A missionary is someone who has a mission. He has a specific, a specific task with which he has been charged. He's like on a mission to Mars. And... Uh, well, of course, it's necessary for us to have a very clear idea about what is our mission. As a whole, each one of us is like a whole part. As a whole, as an individual, we have our own mission. But we're also a part of a larger communities in which we live, and therefore we share in the mission of those groups and those, the, those communities to which we belong. For example, I have my own personal life's purpose and mission. But as a monk of the Ramakrishna order, I share also in their mission, which is Atmano Mokshartam Jagati Chaya that means to work for the, my own liberation and for the welfare of the world. I also share, for example, in the mission of the Vedanta Society, of which I am a part. And therefore, the mission of the Vedanta Society, that is to promote the, the, the preaching and the practice and the study of the Vedanta philosophy, I share also in that. So each one of us has a, has a mission and a message. This morning, I'm, I'm preaching a message. I'm preaching a message from the platform. But in the larger context... Uh, um, 
my whole life is a message. My whole life is just one long sermon. It remains to be seen, whether it be a good sermon or it's a bad sermon. But in retrospect, someone can look back and make an evaluation. And I'm not the only preacher here. Because each one of us preaches every day of our life. Just by the things that we say and do. Your message may be explicit. That means it may be in the form of the spoken or written word. Or your message, the message of your life may be implicit. As they say, actions speak louder than words. And just as you go to a, 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 a museum and you look at the famous paintings on the wall and you stop before one painting, you're, you're kind of baffled and confused as to why it's there in the museum. You ask yourself, well, what's the point? What is the, what, what is, what is the painter trying to tell me? What is the message? What is the purpose of this painting? What does it all mean? And so that even from that painting hanging on the wall, we ask, what is the mission? What is the message? So each one of us has to do our dharma. That's why we're here. We've come here to do our swadharma, to accomplish our mission, to deliver our message. Before we were born, our soul had that moment of clarity. A time when we knew, when we had lucidity, when we knew clearly what was our mission, what we were to accomplish. But after being incarnated on the earth, the soul is naturally overwhelmed. That is, as soon as we're born, we begin to become overwhelmed by the impressions of the five senses. And those subtle memories, just as we forget a dream that we had the night before very rapidly when we awaken, similarly it is with our incarnation. Uh, it may be that we quickly forget why we came down to earth, why we came to this plane. And this is a, the tragedy of human life. We came on the stage to play a part, but somehow we've lost sight of what that part is. And uh, we've lost sight of our mission. We fail, it may be that we're failing to do our dharma, and it may be, in fact, that we die before we accomplish what we were born to do. <clears throat> Once upon a time, there was a, a boy who lived in a little village um, in old, uh, well, it's like a, an old Peruvian folktale. And he lived in the, in the village there, and one day his mother asked him to go into the mercado, that is into the, the village market, and to buy <clears throat> 25 pounds of corn. And, uh, but the boy she knew was very forgetful, 
And so she advised him, look, just as, on your way there, just remind yourself why you're, what's the point of your going to the market? And so the boy, um, on his way, he set out on his, on the trip, um, and he repeated to himself, 25 pounds of corn, 25 pounds of corn. And, um, well, as he went along, he saw there, he came but passed by a farmer. And the farmer was in his field. And the farmer had uh, just finished sowing his whole field with many, many, many acres. With bags and bags of, of, of seed corn. And when the boy passed by saying, 25 pounds of corn, the, the farmer chastised him immediately, saying, well, you mean impudent youths? How dare you say just 25 pounds of corn? That's nothing. Rather, you shouldn't say that as you pass by my field. Rather, you should say, let, let them all come out. Let them all come out. The farmer wanted all of his seed corn to sprout and to grow. And so the boy, taking that to heart, he continued on his journey, saying, let them all come out. Let them all come out. And as he went down the road, he met a, a merchant with a bag full of beans on his back. And the merchant was being tormented because as he looked there, there's a little hole there in the bottom of the bag of his beans, and one by one they were falling out. And as he passed by this boy on the road, and the boy says, let them all come out, let them all come out, the merchant stopped and he chastised the boy, saying, you rascal, what an awful wish. Rather, you should say, let them all stay in, let them all stay in. And so the boy changed his tune. And now he continued on his journey, saying, let them all stay in. Let them all stay in. As he came down the road, well, it had rained heavily the night before, and the road was muddy. And he passed by a group of men who, their, their carts had been stuck in, a, in, a, in a, muddy, a muddy pond by the side of the road. <clears throat> and one of the carts, they had managed to push and pull out, uh, but the other carts remained still stuck in the pond. And as the boy uh, went by, he was saying, let them all stay in, let them all stay in. They became very vexed with him, and they chastised him. He said, well, uh, you, uh, you shouldn't say things like that. It's terrible for you to say something like that. Rather, you should say, since one got out, let the others get out. Since one got out, let the other get out. And so the boy changed his tune, and he continued on the journey. And, uh, but his bad luck continued. Because as he walked down the road, he passed by a man coming from the other direction. And he was a one-eyed man. And he was walking along with a cane. And he couldn't see very well, because he had only one eye. And as he passed by this boy, the boy he heard the boy saying, since one has gone out, let the other get out. <laughs> and... Uh, Well, it so happened that that man was so superstitious that he thought that the boy's words would come true. And so he picked up his cane, and he beat the boy, and he beat him until he died. 
And that's the end of the story. Well, what's the moral of the story? Well, the boy uh, lost sight of his mission. The boy failed to do his dharma. Somehow he, his journey was interrupted. And he died before he accomplished what he set out to do. So this is about doing our dharma. Well, but before we can do our dharma, we have to ask ourselves a question, well, what is my dharma? And um, if I don't have a ready answer for that question, that is, if I'm not quite clear or sure about it, then I need to ask myself, well, if I don't know my dharma, how do I find out? And, uh, well, there are some fortunate souls who know from the very beginning That is, they have what, what is their purpose of their life. That is, they have some fixity of purpose from a very early age, and they somehow just seem to know their destiny. There are other fortunate souls who um, hear the call, hear, uh, that is to say, hear the call of destiny somewhat later in life. That is, they have a calling. They have a vocation, and they come to know what they are to do. Um, I knew one such person who was visiting our monastery in San Francisco. He used to come to our Sanskrit class. He was a young man. He used to work for, he, well, he didn't, he used to work for Caltrans at that time, working on the highways. And... Uh, doing heavy physical work during the day. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. He thought that he may want to join the monastery, but he wasn't sure. And uh, he didn't seem to have any direction in his life. And after the <clears throat> class was ended, he returned to Texas. And there he enrolled in the university. And <clears throat> he took an elective course there in art. Well, he never had been interested in art. He never had tried to draw anything. <clears throat> And he discovered, to his amazement, that he had, a, he had a talent. He had a gift for drawing and for art. And in fact, very rapidly, within a few months, he began to draw these fabulous, amazing pictures. He came back to San Francisco. His name was John Willman. I don't know if some of you know him. He became kind of like a famous artist uh, in San Francisco. And uh, he had discovered his dharma. Somehow it had been hidden from him for all those years. Somewhat later in life, he had a vocation. That is, he heard the call of destiny. But for the most part, ordinary people like us, uh, we find ourselves often confused as to what is the purpose of our life. And we need some help to find the answer to that question. What is my dharma? Of course, we may, you may say at this point, well, um, isn't it kind of late in life for me to be asking this question? Uh, but the fact is that this is a question, what is my dharma, which is apropos 
to you, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're in the morning, in the afternoon, or the evening of life, doesn't really matter, because our dharma is continually changing and redefining itself as we move from one stage of life to another. And in fact, this question may in fact be most appreciated as we become older and wiser. And uh, so I often say that this Vedanta philosophy is really meant for people who are older and wiser. Well, it doesn't mean chronological age, but... <clears throat> so therefore we can ask ourselves the question, uh, how, can I, how can I find out what is my dharma? Well, the fact of the matter is, before we can answer that question, before we can answer the question, what am I to do, we first have to know who we are. Before you can find your dharma, you have to find yourself. And uh, remember the voice of the Delphic Oracle, know thyself, the first teaching of this Vedanta philosophy. In order to find our dharma, we have to begin by assessing our own individual personal self. We have to know something about our interests, our values, our personality. According to the teaching of the wisdom of the East, and the great students of the law of karma maintain that you are a special, that you are a unique individual, that you have uh, talents, that you have gifts, that you have higher powers, many of which are hidden from you. And just as you may go into a, to an old uh, um, cathedral, which has been long abandoned, and you go into that cathedral and you're looking around and it's all dark, dreary. Maybe you can go and think that you're going to bring some clarity, clean things up a little bit, and you go and get some, a pail of soap and water and you begin to clean the walls and you begin to wash the windows. And soon you find, as soon as you begin to wash those windows, that the, 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 all that gloomy uh, dim light disappears and sun becomes the flooding in through the windows. And the whole cathedral is filled with light and then maybe those windows are stained glass. Beautiful patterns and pictures emerge, all of which you are unaware of <clears throat> until you began to do introspection until you began to clarify who and to understand who I really am. Of course, as students of spiritual life, uh, we can, we can, that is, we can pursue that quest on many different levels. But as students of spiritual life, we know that the greatest uh, uh, help in, in defining who we really are is to meditate on our true self. That is to meditate on the Atman. Centering yourself, meditating on your true self, will help you become more and more attuned with who you really are. And gradually, um, that will reveal itself to you. Knowing your dharma, it's all about introspection. And that's what the whole of the wisdom of the East is really all about. It's all about a call to introspection. 
And we're used to living our lives, our eyes and our ears and all of our senses, our attention is focused outwards. And we think that we will find what we're looking for. We will find ourselves somewhere in the external world and in our external activities, define, trying to define ourselves by material possessions and by relationships with the external world. But really, it's in, 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 the, the wisdom of the East is all about a call to introspection. When we find that that quest fails, when we don't find what we're searching for outside, we need to look, look within. And here again is one of the tragedies of human life, and that is the lack of introspection. I'm sure all of you have, have read, the, have seen the famous uh, stage play by Arthur Miller uh, entitled The Death of a Salesman. In that uh, play, that play opens when the curtain rises. Willie Loman is the protagonist. Uh, he enters carrying his suitcase. His suitcase symbolizes, of course, his life's dream. And his suitcase is very heavy. He's kind of dragging it in he's, as if he's carrying the weight of the world. He puts down that heavy suitcase. The fact is that Willie Loman, as we discover, as the, as, as the play unfolds, he's bought into the wrong dream. That is, Willie Loman, he was a, he was a salesman. And somewhere he, he uh, uh, kind of came to believe in the whole uh, ideology of the personality ethic of that time. And... Uh, As a result of that, and as a result of his own lack of honesty and introspection, we find that his life has been an utter failure. And it's a tragedy. And at the end of life, his son says, uh, that's the last line of the play there, that thinking, reminiscing about his father, he said he never knew who he really was. It's important for you to know who you are. And in fact, that's what defines us as human beings. We have an ongoing identity crisis, an ongoing quest. We're constantly, consciously or unconsciously, struggling to resolve that question. And everyone in the world is struggling to resolve that very question, who am I? It's just that some people are doing it consciously the vast majority of people are doing it unconsciously. Religion and spirituality is all about doing it consciously and expediting our progress in finding and discovering who we really are. Of course, the Vedanta philosophy answers this first question of philosophy, who am I? The Vedanta philosophy answers this fundamental question on many different levels. But the point is, is that somehow we have to find and discover ourselves. How, in however way you understand yourself to be, take, take, you, take yourself where you are and come to know and understand who and what you are physically, emotionally, personally, interpersonally, intellectually, 
philosophically, spiritually, however you want to define yourself, we need clarity. We need to understand um, what is our true nature. Once you begin to do introspection and uh, begin to feel more of your individuality, then the, the, the teaching is, the challenge for us is that we need to heed the call of our true self and uh, to do, to follow the, our, our, the, the voice of our, to follow our, the call of our, of our dharma, no matter how unconventional or uh, impractical it may seem to be. Once upon a time, there was a, um, a camel, and she had her heart set on becoming a ballet dancer. And uh, to make every movement a thing of grace and beauty, she said to herself, that is my one and only desire. And with that purpose, with that end in view, she began to practice her pirouettes, her arabesques, her releves, all of the five basic movements of the ballet. And she repeated those basic movements and, and patterns hundreds of times each day. And she worked long and hard for, for hours and days and months under the hot desert sun until her feet were blistered and her body ached with fatigue. But she never once thought about giving up. And at last, the camel, she was able to say, she said to herself, now I have become a dancer. And uh, so she announced a recital to be given before all the camels of the desert. And they came from far and wide. And uh, she danced that night before a, an assembled group of all of her camel friends. Uh, and when it was over, she made a deep bow. But there was no applause. And one camel got up from the audience and approached her and said to her, I must tell you frankly, madam, that as a critic and a spokesman for this group, you are lumpy and you are humpy. You are baggy and you are bumpy. You are, like the rest of us, simply a camel. You are not and you never will be a ballet dancer. And so chuckling and, laugh, and laughing, all of the other camels moved away and left her standing there alone in the desert. And the camel, she thought to herself, how very wrong they are. I've worked so long. I've worked so hard. There can be no doubt that I am a splendid dancer. If they can't appreciate it, well, I will dance 
just for myself. And that's what she did. And it gave her many, many days of pleasure. So, well, that's the old uh, folk tale. Uh, satisfaction will come to those who will please themselves. And uh, uh, that's the old country, what is it, the old country song. You can't, you can't please everyone, so you've got to please yourself. That's the message of this wisdom of the East. You have to do your own dharma. And not like the boy who forgot his own dharma. He tried to please everyone. He tried to be all things to all people, to please everyone around him. And he forgot his own message. He forgot his own mission. Well, in order to, to successfully accomplish your mission and uh, carry your message, then you have to find yourself. You have to find the right environment. You have to find the right place in life, the right relationship, the right religion. And because we spend so much of our time in the workaday world, we have to say this also has to do with right occupation. The Buddhists have a term which they call right livelihood, which really is apropos to this part of our discussion, where they talk about what is the right dharmic occupation in which to engage for you to engage in. And by dharmic occupation, that is to say right livelihood, they mean a, a, an occupation which is moral, ethical, righteous, a Christian occupation, we would say. And in addition to that, one which is suitable to your temperament and to your disposition and which serves your destiny. That's also part of the Buddhist idea of right livelihood. That is, it's not just moral and ethical. It, it's also something which, uh, which reinforces and serves your dharma, enables you to do your dharma. It's, it's, it's the right, your right <clears throat> occupation which will enable you to be yourself and to do what you're supposed to do. And that's important because <clears throat> accomplishing your mission is all about forward movement. It's all about personal growth. The purpose is to grow and to expand your consciousness and to raise your mind, allow yourself to grow and unfold. <clears throat> man, all, after all, is like a, a man is like a plant. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> just like there are some plants which are maybe grow and thrive, a beautiful grows and, thri and thrives out in the, in the desert. If you were to take that and transplant it, carry it to the, um, some tropical climate, and even though you nurture it and water it and care for it, that plant will not thrive. Similarly, vice versa, you bring a tropical orchid out to the Anzaborego Desert, and you, begin to, you may water it and, and fertilize it and keep it, but somehow it just will never fully thrive in that environment, in that climate. That's because every plant has its own needs. It has its own requirements to do its dharma. 
So right, our right livelihood is, is all about finding that, the right climate, the right situation, the right position, the right place for us to grow and to thrive and to, and to prosper in our personal growth. Once you found your dharma, it's important for you to commit yourself to it and to have patience and perseverance in doing your dharma, which means working out your destiny. And it's very natural for us sometimes to be discontent. And uh, we become discontent with our lot in life, whether it's in our secular job, occupation, or career, or maybe even in your spiritual life, maybe in, even in your religion. Sometimes you think, well, gee, maybe I should have become a Buddhist. Maybe I ought to change my religion and become a, uh, <clears throat> become a Christian. That is the, that's just psychology. That is the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. And we naturally often compare ourselves <clears throat> with others <clears throat> who seem to be so much more successful and happy. But in the question of uh, doing your dharma, however, all these comparisons are odious. And no dharma is better for you than your own. In the Bhagavad Gita it says, Shreyan Swadharmo Vigunaha Paradharma Swanushitat Swadharme Nidnam Shreya Paradharma Bhavaha. It means you better your own. Better to do your own dharma, to follow your own vocation, to live out your own destiny, than to do another person's dharma, even though you do that much better than you do your own. Because it says, even your own dharma, even if it's very poorly done, is much better than doing the dharma of another person, which will cause you to be filled with fear. Well, that's, that's the verse there. It says, so the, the Bhagavad Gita challenging us, encouraging us to do our own dharma and to, um, to live out our own destiny. How will you know? If you found your dharma, how will you know if you're carrying out your mission and you're delivering your message? Well, for one thing, you will begin to have a, a clear sense of direction in your life, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning. And uh, if, you've ever, if you ever wake up in the morning, and you think to yourself, well, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of my life? Where am I going? What's it all for? Um, and if you begin to feel a kind of a feeling of meaninglessness, what we could call a sense of existential despair, which characterizes the whole of the Western literature for the past <laughs> half a century, um, and so we're, we're kind of all in the same boat in that regard. But if you wake up like that, that means that we, you have not yet found your dharma. You're not clear about what is your purpose of your life. 
doing your dharma, uh, therefore, if you have found your dharma, however, you will have a sense of purpose, of direction, of meaning. You'll feel like your life has meaning. Doing your dharma, you will be, in fact, moving forward. You will be progressing in life. You will be moving forward towards realizing who you really are. And you will feel that you're growing. And therefore, you can ask yourself, have I found my dharma? Well, do I feel like I'm growing? Do I feel like I'm progressing? And of course, you know this Vedanta philosophy, it erases the line between the sacred and the secular. So don't, it doesn't matter whether you're progressing or growing or maturing or empowering yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, financially. All those things are all part of who you are. And therefore, you have to look in all the different dimensions of your life. In some of them, yes, you will answer very, you'll, you'll, you'll have a very strong affirmative response. Yes, I am growing and progressing and becoming and being successful in achieving what I want to achieve. In other domains of your life, you'll find now I'm, I'm a miserable failure. <laughs> so it's there which, where, we, where we have to do our inner work. And uh, so doing, if you are doing your dharma, then you will be, feel as if you're succeeding. So you can ask yourself the question, am I succeeding in the things which are really meaningful to me? And uh, if you're doing your dharma, you will begin to feel that yes, slowly and surely, I'm moving forward. Uh, I'm taking baby steps forward every day towards realizing my true self and becoming who I really am. And if you can begin to do that, you'll feel more and more happy. Happiness is the single most sign of a person who's doing his dharma. Such a person is happy. If you take meaning, that's the equation. Meaning plus growth equals happiness. If you have meaning in your life, that is if you have a great goal, if you have a destiny, if you're aware of your journey, you know where you're going, and if you are perceived that in fact you are progressing, you're growing, you're moving closer and closer to your goal, that will make you happy. And of course, what is our goal? Our goal is to realize our true self, which is Satchidananda, which is the source of all happiness. And therefore, the more every baby step that you take forward towards understanding who you really are will increase your happiness. And uh, so a person who is doing his dharma maybe ask, they say, are you happy? They'll say, well, yes. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're jumping up and down every day with joy. But in general, you will say, yes, in, in the larger scheme of things, yes, I am happy. Maybe that would be their answer. And so, uh, well, that's about doing your dharma. And uh, we all, we're on a great journey. We have a great long journey. But we will be more at peace with ourselves once we are clear about our purpose, our destiny, once we, are, once we come to understand that we are on the right path, that we're moving forward, that we're making progress, 
and that we are coming to realize who we really are. Om Dyo Ho Shantihi Antariksham Shantihi Prithivi Shantihi Apashantihi O Shadaya Shantihi Vanaspataya Shantihi Vishwe Deva Shantihi Brahma Shantihi Saravam Shantihi Shantireva Shantihi Same Shantiredhi Om Shantihi 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 Om peace is in heaven, peace is on the earth, peace is in the sky and in the waters. The herbs and plants and trees are full of peace. The gods are peaceful. May this eternal, universal peace enter our souls and beings. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us all. <laughs>